Are there any good-looking podcast listeners out there tonight? Soccer dude, rockin' America. He doesn't know soccer, but he's gonna talk about soccer dude, rockin' America. Tactical analysis. Transfer news. Unlikely. Hey, that's not what I wrote. I don't really care. We're going with it now. All right. Soccer new back in America. Soccer new back in America. Featuring person talking about soccer lots. Hello and welcome to episode 175 of Soccer Noob Rocket America featuring El Stinky Girl. Hey, that's mean. But yeah, I guess your name's Person Noob, but I like El Stinky Girl better. Well, then I like El Weirdo better. Well, you're in middle school and you're starting to, you know, starting to be a little funkier and I don't mean musically. Dad, that's not nice. <laughs> no, it's not supposed to be stink. nice. I don't stink. All right, what are we here to do? Something. <laughs> Provide Maybe. you with soccer knowledge and comedy. Wait, you're going to give me soccer knowledge and comedy? No. Oh, we're going to give that to the listeners. Yeah. Yeah, specifically, our uh, main objective is to give you mini match previews from games all over the world, tournaments and countries big and small. And that allows us to give you a mix of matches that is much different than you're going to find anywhere else. In fact, we almost decided not to even do a Champions League match this week. Same Although thing. then we ultimately changed our mind. Same thing as I said. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> this particular week, we are going to be covering matches from Friday the 16th of February through Thursday the 22nd. We always go Friday to, thir- Friday to Thursday, although this particular episode, there's almost nothing that made our cut for the weekend because there's a lot of tournament action going on on the weekday, so you got plenty of time to prep. Now, that we've talked a little bit about the soccer, let's talk a little bit about what people really want to hear about, the reason most people listen, and that's... Anything that you talk about whatsoever. They love your Amadal segment, and they love learning a little bit about your life. What's been going on the last three or four days? Um. You've been? Sick. <clears throat> dun, dun, dun. Mm, now I'm coughing. I hope you didn't and give it to I'm me. And now I'm dying. Yeah, what did you have? The flu and um, a sinus infection. Yep. And now I'm on my deathbed. <laughs> no, you've been getting better. I, and, and I've been on my bed. Yes, you've been in bed a lot. That is for certain. But you know what? That's okay. You've been doing well, getting better, and you're ready to get back to archery as well as school, aren't you? You've been going to a lot of tournaments. Have some of these been qualifiers for like state tournaments, or are they just kind of standalone events? Nope, none for my school yet. Gotcha. And how have you been doing? Um, average. <laughs> well, you have you've never shot before before this year, have you? No. I mean, certainly not competitively. Well, I shot last year, um, at the um fair because. Yeah, you picked a, up a bow for the first time and, sh- and a, shot like three arrows. Yeah, we went to that and um, uh. Oh, there's a little station that said that you could shoot, uh, and then me and my friend Kaylee went over there, and then um, we shot, and with three arrows, I shot, like, a three, because I missed two, and I somehow got a three, and then he said that we both we both went into st- mini-state qualifiers. 
<laughs> but they ended up canceling that, and I didn't go anyway, so. Oh, they canceled. I knew you couldn't go. You had something else going on. But I think they canceled it because I didn't, because there were only like like three of us middle school. Oh, I see. Is that how you qualified? <laughs> yeah. There just weren't that many of your age group? Yeah, because um, there were um, two other people besides us. Uh, me and my friend both got a three. Someone else got like a I don't know, and someone else got an I don't know that were higher. So we tied for third place. But you've been doing pretty good in the competitions this year for somebody who's new. You get some nines and tens every now and again. What do you like better? Do you like the uh, shooting at the targets uh, that have the bullseyes, or do you like shooting at the 3D animals? The target. The, wait, no, the targets. The animals, every single time I shoot, it either bounces off, it either bounces off, goes directly towards it, and then just goes up, or, or or it hits it and it goes back, but it doesn't count. And then and then during practice, it's just those trick shots. I hit I hit one of the animals, um, uh, and then it bounced and then it bounced off, and it was coming back towards me, and then it turned around and went into another animal. I, I would have gotten a zero for that, but I that feel like sounds, I should get like a 20 for that. That sounds magical, and yet it would be good for real life hunting as long as you're hitting some kind of animal that we can eat. Yeah, but like that, but like also, they count it as a zero if you hit like the um, extra skin on the turkey on the legs, if you hit the antlers. The smallest, if you get the head of the turkey, it's a zero. Really, it seems like that would be the hardest part to hit on purpose. You have to hit the middle in order for it to be a 10. Yeah, that's kind of where they have the target lines drawn, yeah. don't and they? Then, and then, but the width is, is that there's a 10, there's a 10, then there's a not 10's a circle, 9's are a circle outside of it, and then the 8 is a jelly bean shape that's around the 9 that kind of goes inside of the 9. And you've already gotten over a 200 in one of your competitions, haven't you? And nearly as I can tell, that's rare for somebody who's in their first year of shooting. Yeah. So, you know, you may not be, like, winning competitions yet, but you are accelerating very, very quickly. And uh, it sounds like your coaches are even saying college scholarships are a possibility down the road. Who knew? Bow hunting, college scholarships? I had no idea. Yeah. Anything else in the life of person noob that we should know about going on? Um... <laughs> that's all you got going. That's my little middle school. Are you doing any spring sports? Uh, no. Archery goes through um May, and the, the only spring sports are softball, which I've I don't even know what softball is, and tennis. I hate tennis, but I love racquetball. I didn't know you hated tennis. That's a strong word. Hate. Well, I don't I don't hate tennis. I just don't like it because I'm I just don't. <laughs> racquetball's better. Yeah, we've played racquetball. That's pretty fun. I love racquetball. But soccer's the best, right? Even if we're not playing and we like talking about it. All right, shall we start talking about it? Okay. <laughs> Twist your arm. All right, let's get going into the match mini previews with... Match number one! This has got to be a first. We don't have any Friday matches. That in itself is not unusual. That were quite bright or shiny enough to make our cut. But neither were any of them on Saturday. There will be plenty of good games, but not the truly greatest and most paramount. We start our trek across the globe on Sunday in Denmark. Match number one is from their Superliga, the number 14 ranked league in all of Europe. They will still only send, they're one of the best leagues to still only get to send one team to the Champions League. And then that team will have to start in the first qualifying round 
round. They will send a total of three teams, though, out of league to the Europa Conference League, the third best tournament in Europe. They're about three quarters of the way through their first phase of the season, and then they will divide the league in half, and they will just play a round robin or so between those two separate groups of teams. Your key matchup, number B, Brond B, second best in the league right now, and they are playing host to number one, Mituland. Uh, now, Brond B, they lead Mituland by just two points in the table. Uh, only, these are the only two teams, by the way, that have actually qualified for the championship phase so far. Most of the teams, we know who they're going to be, but these two have gotten it done relatively early. Series between these two, the last several years, Bronby with a slight advantage in record, 20, 12, and 18. And more importantly, they won earlier this season on the road in Me Too Land, and that was by a score of nil one. As is our tradition, we'll talk about the home team first. Now, first of all, I've covered Bronby before, I think, if not terribly often, but something I didn't know is they were fairly recently bought by an American investment group headed by David Blitzer. And yes, that is the same Mr. Blitzer that owns or owns significant parts of the Philadelphia 76ers and the New Jersey Red Devils. Yeah, so he's got his basketball and his hockey covered in the sports portfolio. This is far and away the most popular team in Denmark, according to what I've been reading. Their nickname, the boys from, I'm going to pronounce it, uh, Vestegnen, V-E-S-T-E-G-N-E-N. It's part of the former county area known simply as Copenhagen County, and it was in the western part of that greater metro, still is, but now it is a nor- it's in the northern suburb of Brundbevester, an uh, area with over 20,000 people in it. By the way, give you a little continental perspective. In Europe, this club ranks number 164, or at least most recently when I saw this summer. They have won 11 domestic league titles. Last one was 2020-21. 1990-91, they made the semifinal of what is now known as the Europa League, the second best international club at tournament in Europe. Here in the modern area, basically the 2000s, or modern era rather, uh, they've not quite been able to make even the group stage of the Europa League, but their speed is to get pretty close. Last year, they only finished in fifth place in the league. Their uh, legion of fans must have been disappointed with that. Missed international competition entirely. Uh, This year, they're pretty well balanced with a bit more of an emphasis on defense, giving up exactly one goal per match. They have the number one overall goal differential. They are my pick to win the league. Key players to look for, tied for number one in scoring with an even 10, is Nikolai Vallis, Vallis, V-A-L-L-Y-S. If he's got any sibling, you know, his sisters or cousins, who are girls? Are they Valley's girls? Oh my God, for sure. He plays central midfielder. All right, no apologies. I realize that wasn't my best work. Tied for second best in assists with five is Matthias Kvistgarden. He is their striker. Five goals and five assists, but unfortunately for them, he is injured and I believe he is predicted to be out for the rest of the entire season. And tied for number one in clean sheets and with the second best save percentage in the league is their netminder Patrick Pence from Austria. He's actually here on loan from the team that's winning the Bundesliga right now in Germany, Leverkusen. Oh, and we have a USA connection as far as on the field, Christian Kappas. He's a midfielder for them who came up with FC Dallas, but there was some confusion with the way the homegrown world that used to be in place in Major League Soccer used to work. It was Houston that should have been able to sign him, and rather than going to a different MLS club, he ultimately went over to Denmark, where he's bounced around a little bit. Teams current form, they are unbeaten in 10 straight, or were heading into the winter break, which they're just now coming out of. 
And now Mitu Land, they are known as the Wolves. Uh, they officially call two different uh, small towns their homes, Herning and ICAST. Uh, the name of the club, by the way, Mitu Land, translates to Central Jutland. They are smack dab in the center of the country. 25 years ago, there were two separate clubs in each of these towns, and they merged. The grounds they play in are actually in Herning, which is probably the larger one, about 50,000, uh, known for a lot of small furniture make and uh, textiles. Uh, they're better known for their hockey. They have the best ice hockey team professionally in the entire country, the Herning Blue Fox. Kind of a cool name. It's also the center for Danish cycling. They've got a big tournament there. Footy-wise, three domestic titles. Last one was 2019-2020. This year, they were in international play in the Europa Conference League and fell one round shy of the group stage or event proper. Their best international finish was they made the Champions League group stage very impressive in 2020-21, but no further. Last year, they only finished in seventh place in the league. These are two of your more traditional powers who really had uh, off-seasons last year. Their defense is not as good as their opponent today, but they score like gangbusters. They're tied for number one in that regard, getting a full two goals per match. Key players to look for, tied for number three in league scoring with eight, is Gwe Sung Cho. He is from Korea and is their striker. If you're a fan of uh, football from the Far East, he was a K-League All-Star from 2022. Second best in the league, according to the FootMob app, which I really like, is Christopher Olsen. He is a Swedish central midfielder Them for them. Uh, no goals, uh, just two assists. Uh, he's really more in charge of setting up the offense. He gets a high volume of touches, and he creates a lot of chances. He is the guy who is setting up the assist men, and he was uh, thought of as very good and still as he came up with Arsenal, after all. Team's current form, they have won four straight heading into the winter break. And now, uh, your betting advice, which we're going to try to do throughout these episodes now, because I've been doing this for a few years, and even though I am still a noob in many regards, I'm actually been, you know, doing pretty okay uh, doing some test betting. Don't bet on this one. You're going to find I say that a lot when it's two teams near the very top. The public tends to get uh, these odds and these spreads correct. If you want to bet on a Danish match that's got some more value, um, bet on a different match for Sunday, bet on Arhus, A-A-R-H-U-S, you're going to get just plus 105, but they're at home to win at Velier. Once again, that is a Sunday match. Match number B. And oh snap, just like that, we're already done with the weekend. Yeah, it's going to be a tournament-heavy week, and so a lot of the stuff happens in the middle of the week. Club matches tend to be more for the weekends. And so we head into Monday for match number B, our much-improved way of saying number yuck. Two, as my daughter would tell you, is bathroom talk. Join us in the much more couth number B and listen to it in action now. Match number B on Monday is from the AFC Cup. That is the equivalent of the Europa League, second best tournament in Asia. They have reached their quarterfinals, second leg of the home and away, two-legged tie. We're going to take a look at Al Nada, who are anything but nothing. I'm pretty sure that's not Arabic for nothing, just Spanish and the spelling is different. They play out of Oman and they're playing Al Rifa from Bahrain, which are a lot better than you probably think than by the name of the country. I know I found that to be the case. Uh, during the first leg, though, Al-Rifa only managed a 1-1 draw. So, uh, whoever can come out on top in this second leg is going to get to advance, and will do so against either Lebanese powers 
Al-Ahed, A-H-E-D, or Al-Karaba out of Iraq. Now, Nada, they are known as the Tenacious, although their club name literally means the Renaissance, which I think is pretty cool. They play out of the Al-Barami government, uh, governorate, which is in the far northwest of the country. Uh, there is a town of the same name that borders right next to the city of Al-Ain in the United Arab Emirates. This is an interesting area because until th- 2006, this was an open border. You didn't need any kind of documentation to move through if you were going through in this area, but that has since been moved to a different geographical place. Footy-wise, 2022-23, they were the uh, their nation's Pro League champions, and that's how they qualified. And by the way, uh, the Omani Pro League is ranked number 22, so just a tiny bit better than average in Asia's Continental Association. This is the fourth time they've appeared in this event. Best result they ever had was in 2008 when they made the semifinals. They did also get to play in the Champions League once. That was in 2015. But the league has slipped enough, I guess, in the coefficient rankings that they no longer get a sem- get to spend- send a team rather to the Champions League. Things work a little bit different in Asia over there. Only the best, maybe uh, 25% of the countries actually send anybody to the Champions League. Alnada entered this event at the playoff round, one right before the group stage starts. And then they won their three-team group stage. It was supposed to be four, but one team withdrew by three points over the aforementioned Al-Ahed from Lebanon. They went 3-0-1 in the group stage, rather, with a 6-4 goal differential, which was actually both the best offense and defense in a pretty tight group. And now Al-Rifa. They are the club named for the town of the same name. It is the second biggest one in Bahrain. It's in the north central part of the country, city of a couple hundred thousand. And they have a nickname I've never run across either. Their Excellencies. Tenacious sounds a little more down to earth. This sounds a little nose in the air for me, but whatever. Uh, They've made seven appearances in this event. Best they ever did was the first time. That was in 2010. They made the semifinals. They have made one Champions League appearance as well. That was back in 2004, the group stage. And this, just for fun, I'm assuming this is the name of either their FA Cup or their League Cup, the second or third most important one in the country. It's been Romanized as far as spelling as Q-A-B-O-O-S. So uh, they are the defending Caboose Cup champions. And next year they will attempt to uh, defend their Caboose most vigorously, as we all should, quite frankly. They qualified for this event. The calendars are a little bit funny in Asia sometimes, the way they mesh with tournaments and leagues, by winning the 2021-22 Bahrain Premiership. And by the way, that league is actually ranked number 17 in the AFC. Not too shabby. They entered this event at the group stage, didn't have to go through any qualifiers, and then they won their group by two points over al Zara of Iraq. They went 4-1-1 with a very impressive 15 goals scored and just gave up five, best in both regards. Scoring leaderboard with four for this event is Hashim Syed Issa. He plays forward for them. Now, normally for two-legged events, I don't dispense gambling advice, but I'm going to say that if you're interested enough in following this event to bet on it, bet Rifa plus 225 on the road. I know that they only managed to draw at home, so this I will call a good value with a lowercase g, and certainly not a great value, but I think it's pretty fair. Match number three. On to Tuesday we go already for our third match. We're heading to the women's side of things for the CONCACAF W Gold Cup. Yes, they abbreviate women to W for the official name to this. The uh, 
Rather than calling it the Nations League, like a lot of people kind of expected, they named the qualifying event uh, the CONCACAF Road to the W Gold Cup or something like that. Interesting. This event is being hosted in the United States. This is the Continental Championship for national teams on the women's side. And uh, they're going to have this particular match we're going to talk about in Carson, California. We're past the qualifiers into the group stage where there are 12 teams. Uh, the USA and Canada as the top two ranked teams in all of CONCACAF, our region of the world. They got buys through to this stage. Right now, there are three groups of four, and the top two from each are going to advance, plus the two best number threes. So, yeah, they're only eliminating like six teams. It's like the NHL playoffs or something. And they play just a single round robin since these are all uh, being played in uh, quote-unquote neutral locations. Not so neutral for the U.S. since it's in the U.S., but there will be plenty of hands on hand, I'm sure, for the Dominican Republic. How are we going to bet this thing? It was a little bit hard for me to find uh, advanced betting information from my usual research sources so let's turn to our 3500 year old prognosticator noob stradamus for another drug-aided or perhaps drug-addled vision in which we might learn how to make our fortune or hopefully if we're smart not bet maybe more than a few quid a couple of bits or something like that take it away a mighty soothsayer Match number four. Well, unfortunate once again that we have too much interference out there from the Universal Infinite or what have you to be able to get in touch with him. So I guess bet wisely on your own. But hey, at least we all got to enjoy some music. I believe that was uh, Carson, California native. No coincidence there. Uh, Ray J, very polite. He, he asks uh, whether she wants it uh, hit in the front or, or in the back. Such violence. All right, match number four. Let's head off to Europe and <laughs> wash that weirdness out of our mouths. What a bad taste. Uh, San Marino's Campeonato. Yeah, the microstate enclaved within Italy. They've got their own league. It is the last place won in Europe of all leagues, even trailing Gibraltar. But hey, they've only got like 30,000 people. There's just only so much talent to go around. Still, the champion will get to go to the Champions League. They will have to fight their way into the qualifying rounds, really, by playing in a preliminary round with three other teams. They will also send two teams to the Europa Conference League. Domestic playoffs are coming as well. The number one team will not uh, participate in those, is my understanding. They are considered the champions, and that is that. But uh, teams 2 through 11 will all take uh, all take part in the tournament. Teams 2 through 7 will go uh, straight through to the quarterfinals. Teams 8 through 11 will have to play in a preliminary domestic playoff round. They're about two-thirds of the way through the season, just a little bit further ahead than some of the uh, other areas of Western Europe. Your matchup at uh, one versus number B dandy. Number one, La Fiorita versus number B Virtus. Uh, La Fiorita lead Virtus by just one point. This is the closest race in the world this week in terms of clubs. That is the reason that we are covering it. Plus, we just like football from everywhere. Virtus won earlier this season at their place 2-1. to one. Can La Fiorita uh, repeat that and defend their own turf? They play out of the area called Monte Giardino, which translates to Mountain Garden, and that is one of the nine uh, Castelli. Think of these as districts or states. There are nine of them that make up the entire country. This one's in the far southeast, has a population of maybe a thousand and geographically and uh, population-wise, it is the smallest one. It was added in the very last expansion that brought the country to the size it is today. 
back in the 1460s. Yeah, time moves a little bit differently over in Europe. The country's only university, by the way, public or private, is right here. Footy-wise, they have won six domestic league titles. Last one was 2021-22 season. And they have appeared in European competitions 13 times. They've never won a match in any of them. But they have gotten three draws. Last year, they finished in third place in the league. This year, good offense, but great defense. They're giving up just a little bit under two-thirds of a goal per match on average. They've only got the best, third-best overall goal differential. But things are pretty tight in that regard, and I do like that D. Number three score in the league is theirs to choose from with 14. That is Alex Ambrosini from Italy. The vast majority of their players are from outside the nation's borders and from Italy itself, as you would imagine. Team's current form, they have won three straight with a very nice seven versus one goal differential. And now uh, Virtus, they've got an interesting crest. It's like they have a circular crest. And then within that, it has got some shapes to it and things. But then within that, there's also another off-center circle that is the coat of arms that has its own symbols from within it. It's kind of a hot mess, and I don't really care for it. Not that they asked me. They play out of the uh, castle, which is a singular of Castelli, called uh, Aqua Viva or pure water, or water of life. Uh, that castell, or castle, is in the far northwest of the country. Uh, well over 2,000 people there. That's as far away as you can pretty much get from the people they're playing today. Oh, it must be like a 15-minute walk in that tiny country. They have never won a league title, but they are the defending FA Cup champs, so they are used to some pressure. Last year, they finished in fourth place. This year, good offense. Once again, great defense. I'm not sure we're going to look at a high-scoring affair here. They give up just a little bit more than three-quarters of a goal uh, on average. They've only got the fourth best goal differential. I do not believe that they will win this game, nor do I believe that they are going to truly contend for the title over the last third of the season. Teams can inform, though, they are 5-0-1 in their last six. Six, rather. Now, how are you going to bet it? <laughs> it's San Marino. I couldn't find any odds. But if you want to bet something from Italy, you know, outside this enclave country, Thursday, here's a good value. Not great, but good. Bet Torino. You're going to get plus 145 at home versus Lazio, who are normally in the top five or six in Italy, but struggling just a little bit this year and hovering outside of that. Match number five. Still on Tuesday on the calendar, and we head to a Continental Federation. We don't get to every single week, but it is Champions League time there, just in like so many areas of the world. The OFC, the Oceania Football Confederation. Yeah, they're in the qualifying stage over here. Here's the format. It's a little bit interesting. There are 11 leagues within the OFC. The champions of uh, the champions of runners-up from the top seven leagues all play what they call national playoffs to decide who's going to go to get to go to the Champions League group stage. Meanwhile, the winners and only the winners of the four lowest ranked uh, national leagues in this Continental Confederation, they all play in a single round robin tournament to determine who gets just one berth into the group stage. This is the second match of the group stage of that latter event. We're looking at a team from Tonga, their champions called Vaitongo versus Vaivase Thai. And that they are from Samoa, not American Samoa. They are in this mix as well. But this is just plain old Samoa. Now, Vaitanga, let's learn a little bit about them first. They play out of the capital city of Nuku'alofa, and they qualified as the Tongan Major League Champions last year. They are, in fact, the three-time defending champions of the league. And uh, I'm not really sure where in the bottom four that they're listed. I couldn't find them on kick algorithms like I could all of the other ones. A really great site for continental rankings and other information by the way. 
This is their sixth appearance here in this event, but they've never done better than third place in this qualifying tournament. But things are looking sunny side up for them right now. They beat American Samoa team Vayala Tongan by a score of 13 to nothing. I almost thought it was a typo at first, but no, that is how bad it was in the first match. It was great for them. And the guy to look for, if you can find an internet stream for this, is uh, Elisa Kendler, who had, he had uh, three goals, and that was the most of anybody on his team. And now your visitors on paper out of Samoa, that is Vaivase Tai. They play out of uh, Tuanimato, which is sort of an area or district near the capital city of uh, Apia. And this is where the major multi-sport complex is for the capital city. They qualified as the 2023 Football Federation uh, AS Senior League Champions. I do know that this is the 10th ranked league out of the ones that I could find. It is possible the Tongas is lower. I'm just not sure. They also won their first match, if not by such a cartoonish score. They beat a team from the Cook Islands, their champions, Tupapa Marerenga, yeah, by a 4-0 score. Key player to look for there with two goals was Va Tualai. These cats are both lurking around me for real, and I don't know what they want. Could it actually be, as I suggest every week, that they're waiting on the recap of last week's matches? Either way, it's going to have them. I'm not taking any chances. They're behind me, and they're vicious. Last week's Saturday match number one was from the Asian Cup. It was their final, Jordan versus uh, Qatar, and Qatar won 1-3 to three as we predicted. They got a hat trick of penalty kicks from Akram Afif that we said to look out for. For Jordan, their goal was scored by another one of their stars we mentioned, Yaza on all Naimat. Gambling-wise, we said to play Qatar at uh, just plus 100 at home. Seemed like a very safe bet, and it surely was. Enjoy your retirement in the Caribbean. I know you about the mortgage on that advice from me. Match number B from the German Bundesliga. Number one, Leverkusen, the new power there, versus number B, Bayern Munich, who haven't lost the league's title since like 2011-2012. Leverkusen wiped the floor with them. 3-0. Guy we said to look for, Alejandro Grimaldo had one of the goals. No change in the table there. As far as betting, I thought that it might be reasonable to bet Bayern at plus 145, uh, but ultimately recommended not to, and instead for a German fix, to bet Leipzig to win or draw minus 450, yeah, eating the big negative, at Augsburg, because Augsburg hadn't beaten them in something like six and a half years, and sure enough, it ended in a draw, two to two. You can live in style in the Caribbean, in fact. Match number three from La Liga, number one Real Madrid versus number B Girona, and it was Real Madrid in a rout, 4-0. Jude, Bell Jude Bellingham, their star, had a brace, no change there. I recommend not betting that one. Instead, I said to play uh, Celta Vigo on Sunday, plus 235 versus Getafe, but Getafe ended up winning a shootout, 3-2. Sorry about that. Uh, Sunday match number four from the AFCON final, Nigeria versus Ivory Coast. And uh, Ivory Coast won one to two as host. Wasn't a real surprise there. Uh, I had recommended uh, safely betting on Ivory Coast. For some reason, you can get them at a full plus 210. So, see, made up for the last one. Match number five was from Yemen, their league's final in the playoffs. Number one, uh, Al Ali Sana'a versus number one B. They were one A and one B in their group. The league was divided into two groups. Tadaman Hadramat, it was clearly the stronger group, and the stronger team ended up being Ali Salah, 
They won 2-0. That was not a real surprise. They were easily the best team in the league. Match number five from the OFC Champions League playoff round. Second leg of the home and away two-legged tie for Fijian Powers, uh, Latoka, and number B, Rewa. And it was Rewa winning 2-3. Latoka win, uh, actually led 1-0 at the half. So this is very exciting. It is Rewa who will move on into the Champions League proper in Oceania. Match number seven from the Moroccan top flight, the Batola Pro number B, FAR Rabat versus number one, Raja Casablanca, who we, we do not root for here. Our favorite team in Africa is their city rivals, Wydad Casablanca, who are having a little bit of a tougher year. Anyway, this one ended in a 1-1 draw for FAR. Got we said to look for Hamza Igamane had an own goal. Whoops, no change in the table there. Tuesday, match number eight was from the AFC Cup, the zonal finals uh, between Australian side MacArthur FC and Sabah from, uh, was it Indonesia or Malaysia? I don't even remember, but <laughs> MacArthur unsurprisingly won 3 0. Wednesday, match number nine from the Copa Libertadores, first qualifying round, second leg of the home and away, two legged tie. Melgar out of Peru played Aurora from Bolivia. They played to a 1 1 draw. Aurora had won the first leg, so they are the ones who will advance. Match number 10 from the Con. CONCACAF Champions Cup. Uh, round one, second leg of the home and away, two leg and tie, Club de America out of Liga MX versus Surprisers, Real Esteli. They got a 2-1 first leg win out of Nicaragua. Weren't able to make it hold up, though. America won 2-0, advanced 3-2 on aggregate. Uh, we didn't list him as one of the stars, but a USA connection, Al one of their midfielders, Alex Zendejas, he had a goal for Club de America. Good for him. And now your bonus matches with explanations coming later. Your out of the week was a Sunday match from the Togo Championnat Nacional, number one ASKO, played last place Dynamique Togolay, and it was ASCO. It wasn't a route, but they did get the win 1-0. Your most meaningless match in the world was a Sunday match from the Primera Divisio of Andorra, number five Peña Encarnada. I still say I want to order that as an appetizer and see what they say at some Mexican restaurant locally, versus number six, Caroy. Uh, Encarnada won in a route. We usually don't get these in the meaningless matches, but they won 4-0. That knocked Keroy down to seventh place. Finally, your match of Disappointed was a Sunday match from the Austrian Bundesliga, the other white meet, number nine WSG Tirol, played number 10 Austria Lustenau, and it was Lustenau, the last place team, getting a mildly surprising win, nil two. But you're still very disappointed, and we have no love for you, Lustenau. No change in the table there. That concludes your recap of last week's matches. Now let's get back to previewing the upcoming week's matches with. Match number six. Well, we certainly can't claim to be quote-unquote Rocket America if we're not going to cover the very first Major League Soccer match of the 2024 season. Yeah, we're on Wednesday now, the first of the matches for this day of the week, and it's Inter-Miami getting to open things up versus Real Salt Lake. Not certain that these two have played before, and I'm pretty sure that a uh, hole is going to get ripped in the space-time continuum because longtime listeners of this program will know neither of these teams is our favorite. Miami? Bad Ehrman planning. It's a city built on a swamp. It is doomed. Nothing can come from there. Meanwhile, you have Real Salt Lake. And quite frankly, because Real means royal and Salt Lake, just like America does not have kings or queens to dub them such, it makes it a stupid name that the owner just thought sounded cool and he thought might actually lead to like a relationship with Real Madrid, even though there was basically nothing else to go off and for that. And it certainly didn't happen. So we won't be wishing any luck to either of these teams, nor will we be previewing it. 
this is the time of show where, in fact, we actually always take a pause to do something that is near and dear to my daughter's heart. Three, two, one. Aminals, aminals, aminals from around the world. Oh, yeah. So apparently I'm having a senior moment because we were just talking a little bit before that we have recorded here at the radio station where I worked together before, but I have no recollection of this. But you were recalling some special memories. Like what? We've done it here before. And you had like so, and, and you were like, oh, I forgot to turn this on. Oh, I didn't do this. And we didn't do it like 14 times. Yeah, it seems like I'm broadcasting you as well. It's not like it had been 25 years since the last time I had a broadcasting job. Yes, it has. Yes, it has. So is that a good excuse? Yeah. No excuses, only excellence. And endangered animals. What animal are we going to be talking about uh, from Florida and beyond today? The red cockaded woodpecker. Very well done. That word cockaded is kind of weird. You know what a cockade is? No. It's a uh, it's a uh, ribbon uh, that might be on somebody's uniform, say of relative of uh, military rank. You know, kind of denotes some level of like you know prestige. So this animal must be in the army. No. Okay, maybe not. But we'll find what it means. Can you pronounce its Latin name that we have written here? Lucanotopicus borealis. Ah, that's pretty good. Yeah, Lucanotopicus borealis. I don't know if I'm getting my emphases on the right syllables with the first part there, but we might be right. Maybe. Close enough for government work? Yep. All right. So, uh, what's its status? Its status is near threatened. Oh, and how many are there? About um, 12,500 birds yet. Left. Oh, and, oh. It, and it used to be a million. Holy smokes. All right, do we just find this in Florida? No. It's from the southeast U.S., but it is in Florida. Yes, that's one of its primary locations. It used to be a little bit uh, uh, wi more widely spread, but states like Kentucky, where we are, it's become what's called extirpated from what I was reading, which means it's locally extinct. You don't find them here anymore, but you used to. All right, tell us about some of the basic physical features and what makes this animal cool. All right, it is in between the size of the two most common American woodpeckers. Pe woodpeckers? What? Woodpeckers. The down and the hairy woodpeckers. Wow, about how big is it? Oh, it's about eight inches long. Um, more than a foot of, and it has more than a foot of wingspan. It seems like pretty broad wingspan for such a kind of little or medium-sized bird. All right, tell me more. All right, um, its back is um, barred with black and white horizontal stripes. Mm-hmm. It has a black cap and nape that encircles a white face. Kind of looks villainous. Whoa. Like it's got a mask. Whoa. Like it's gonna, like it's gonna knock over a 7-Eleven. You know what that means? To knock over? It means to rob it. Oh. Okay. <laughs> you can only let one, one woodpecker at a time unless it doesn't have its cap and nape on. Just like push it over. Yeah. Push yeah. Over. No, <laughs> it's, no, it's not literal, although that would be funny. It would. All right, and what's, uh, what's its main distinguishing feature that gives it its name? All right. Its main distinguishing feature that gives it its name is that it can't always see because it's mating or defending its territory, but it has a small red streak on each side of its cap. Huh, so it must not be on the very top but underneath the feathers, and when it's doing one of those two things and it's getting its blood rush, the feathers must move up and around and you can see the red streaks. That's kind of interesting. Oh. All right, I'm not, I haven't decided, unlike most of the animals, because it's only medium size, whether or not I wants to eat it, but what does it eat? 
um, ants, beetles, cockroaches, caterpillars, wood-boring insects, and spiders, sometimes fruit and berries. Mmm, okay. What's something else that's cool that you know about it? But is that um, both parents and other family members help um, take care of the children. Yeah, with a lot of uh, eggs or babies, sometimes it's just left to the mother or sometimes it's the two. This is called aloe parenting from what I was reading. And sometimes uh, other other males that have like already been breeded or knew, used to know the female from previous breeding seasons, so basically ex-boyfriends, will come and help uh, like incubate the eggs, sit on them. Which is nice of them, I think even though they're not the main squeeze for the female bird anymore. Because in human relationships, that's not what happens. No, we don't lay eggs, nor would that work. First um, of all, you shouldn't sit on human babies. And second of all, I know what you mean. That would be like a bad reality house show, you know, having all the ex-boyfriends come and try to take care of the babies. All right, what are the uh, main uh, predators and other threats? The main predators are rat snakes and corn snakes. All right, what's another main threat? Uh, Another main threat is habitat fragmentation. Oh wow, what's that? Um, so so as its habitat naturally changes away from the pines, the birds move to other areas where there may be competition, not as ideal as in general. Oh, okay. Yep. Alright, tell me about where they live. Alright. Alright. Other woodpeckers bore cavities into soft dead trees to live in. That makes sense, because that sounds easier, but what do these do? This one is the only one that bores into living pine trees. Ooh, that sounds harder, is it? Yeah, yeah, sort of, because they usually have a fungal infection that makes the center softer, so. Okay, so that helps out a little bit. And then what's something good about the sap that I uh, found? I'm actually, the sap that comes out helps deter the snakes. Yeah, the snakes don't like the stickiness. Those sneaky snakes don't like sap. That's a lot of S's, isn't it? All right, then what's really important about the way that this thing makes its homes? It's important to the whole ecosystem because other animals will let her live in these cavities. Oh, wow, that's pretty cool. What are some of the conservation efforts that are going on? Some of the conservation efforts are that they're releasing pairs of birds into uh, private reserves of land. Oh, rich people helping out. Well, that's cool. Surprising. They are controlled burning types of plants that they don't like. Okay. And um, they're making artificial holes in trees. Yep, something I read about that last part is uh, sometimes there'll just be a couple holes in the trees that they used to make and then like the alpha bird would be, uh, would take the best hole and then the, uh, the, the, the alpha female would take the sec would take the other hole and then all of the other animals would have to like just hang out overnight on branches which made them more uh, susceptible to uh, snakes and other predators sometimes even flying squirrels it's been thought have been attacking them or at the very least the eggs sometimes so they've been making a whole bunch of holes in trees so that they all have places to live pretty cool Thank you for teaching us about this. You've been you've been working on amphibians lately, a lot of turtles and things. So this was very different. Yep. Yep. There were a lot of turtles, but I chose another animal. Yeah, because turtles don't fly, so they're not as cool that way. Turtles are cool. They are okay. Fair enough. But all right, shall we send us out? Yes, but oh. first, mm -hmm. a thing is that is that they need to make turtles fly. Who they does? Need, they. Uh, Someone. Someone needs to invent a species of turtles that can fly. 
Because I would love to just I don't know. a turtle. I think a turtle that could fly might take over the world. I feel like I, I for just, one would welcome our new tortoise overlords though. I feel like I would just love to like look outside and then see a giant tortoise with giant unicorn wings just flying. I would love that. People would hunt that and it would be an endangered species very quickly too. And then we could talk about it on animals, animals from, from around, around the, the world. world. Don't shoot them. Match number seven. We're going to stay in our region of the world. Match number seven is from the CONCACAF Champions Cup, which used to be called and still is effectively a Champions League. And before that, it was the Champions Cup. And I wish they'd just settle on one. Don't confuse me, CONCACAF. I don't need your help with that. Yeah, that's what I meant. They've reached the first round now that the qualification stages are done. This is the first leg of the home and away two-legged ties between two teams. 22 teams actually enter in at this round. Five of them, though, don't have to play here in the first round. They get buys through to uh, the quarterfinals. Your key matchup, Cavalry, out of the Canadian Premier League versus Orlando City. The winner will get to play uh, UANL Tigres out of Mexico, who are one of the five teams that got a buy. That'll be a tough matchup. But first, got to get past this one and do it on TV, on VIX Streaming Service, if you want the Spanish language broadcast or on Fox Sports 2, 10 o'clock Eastern Time. You get a late kickoff for this one. So, first out of Canada, it is Cavalry, where the Premier League is ranked number six in CONCACAF and climbing. They're, the league really is only a few years old and they're quite good. Uh, this team qualified as the regular season or Shield winners from last year. They also won this award in 2019, but I guess that was the first year for the league, at the very least for this team, and the teams were ineligible by rule for continental competition. Yeah, they were founded in 2018, and if you're wondering about that name, Cavalry, they are named for something called Lord Strathcona's Horse, which is a uh, military entity that is now based in Edmonton, but used to be garrisoned in Calgary. It is Canada's only tank regiment right now. They play in the much greater Calgary metro area in Foothills County, an area of about 24,000. Uh, they don't have any cities, as uh, Can uh, Canada describes them, but they do have three sizable towns. And the border Calgary to the south, just to kind of give you a picture in your head. Key player to look for, tied for number three in scoring last year with a half dozen was Ali Mussi from Somalia, who played winger for them, still does. He moved to Canada, actually, at a very young age and then came up with Major League Soccer's Vancouver Whitecaps. Played college for a really fun named team called uh, uh, NAIT, the Ooks. And I had to look it up. What is an Ook? Well, that's short for Ook Pick, which is a small handcraft Inuit toy so first people's up there kind of looks like an owl but looks like the world's biggest owl and a yeti got together and consummated uh their love for one another it's frightening and i hope to never see one in you know for real up for up close i think its eyes would steal my soul if i still have one Orlando City, they were founded in 2010 and are now owned by the same people who own the Minnesota Vikings. They qualified as the club that had the best record in Major League Soccer last year that did not win the Eastern or Western Conference, so they effectively got the number three berth. They are seeded number seven of the teams entering in this round, and they are definitely your favorites. Keep players to look for. Uh, they're designated players. These are people who uh, every Major League Soccer team can have up to three designated players who they don't have to follow the regular pay scale rules for like they do for everybody else. You can pay them a ton more. Uh, they've got Facundo Torres uh, out of Uruguay. He's their attacking midfielder. He had nine goals last year. Another one is Luis Muriel, their Colombian forward. He was with a very good team over in Italy. Uh, Atalanta, he spent five years there. Last year, he only had two goals in 13 appearances, though. So he was ready for a move somewhere where he could be starting. 
And then their third and final def- uh, designated player, Martin Ojeda from Argentina, uh, plays winger on the other side. Last year, he had six goals. Orlando has never won the Major League Soccer regular season title, but they did win our version of the FA Cup called the U.S. Open Cup just last year. And they made the uh, CONCACAF Champions League round of 16 last year. So I think that they're not only going to advance past this team, but a couple of rounds. In fact, for gambling purposes, uh, unfortunately for us, the betting public kind of has this right. You're probably looking and getting around minus 180. I think that's okay. Just don't bet the farm on it. But if you want a little bit better value, I would bet St. Louis plus 115 at home to beat Houston um, on Monday. Uh, That's another good but not great value for you to consider. Match number eight. This is your final Wednesday match. We head back to Asia once again for more tournament action. This time it is the ASC Champions League, which have reached their uh, round of 16, second leg of the home and away two-legged tie. We're going to take a look at Yokohama FC out of Japan versus Bangkok United, of course, out of Thailand. Leg one, a little bit of surprise. I mean, Bangkok United are good, but the Japanese League is one of the great ones in Asia. Still, Bangkok United managed a 2-2 draw. The winners are going to get to play Shandong Taishan, or Kawasaki uh, Frontale. You can catch this one at Paramount Plus if you set your alarm early enough. It's going to be on at 6 a.m. Eastern Time here in the U.S. All right, Yokohama, they qualified as the 2022 J-League champions. Yeah, the 2023 ones will get to play in the next one. They're still working on calendar issues like I mentioned earlier in the show. And by the way, uh, the J-League one is the second-ranked league in all of Asia. Yokohama advanced through a three-way tie in their group, which had four clubs on it, uh, head-to-head by goal differential, by just one against one of the teams, and by two against the other one. It just about couldn't have been closer. They all went 4-0-2, and and, uh, they were tied for having the best defense, giving up just a little bit over one goal per match. In the 2023 J-League one season, key players that were there and are still with the team, tied for number one in league scoring was their Brazilian forward, Anderson Lopez, and then tied for number one in assists with 11, a couple more Brazilians, uh, the singularly named Elber, and then another gentleman named Jan Mateus. Their best modern era Champions League finish uh, was just last year, round of 16. So this is a club that is coming up, but so are Bangkok United. Can the Angels get it done on the road? They qualified as the 2022-23 Thai League One champions. That is the eighth-ranked AFC League and easily the best in Southeast Asia. They went 4-1-1 in their group stage and won it by a single point over Jean Bouc, which I'm sure a lot of people had Jean Bouc out of South Korea to win that group and handily. They had the best defense in the group, uh, giving up one and a quarter goals per match. Their offense is largely provided by a gentleman who has had four already in this event. That is Rungrath Pumshatuk. He plays winger for them, and his last name is one of the more fun to say I've ever run across. Pumshatuk. I can only imagine that the crowd says it that way. And if it doesn't happen that way, by golly, it should. This team has made three Champions League appearances since 2007, and that year they made the group stage. That's the best they've ever done. I don't recommend betting on this match. These are two kind of up-and-coming teams. I just think it's a little bit too unpredictable. If you want to make a bet, bet on the aforementioned John Book team out of South Korea, plus 225. They're on the road, but in their own country, playing Paul Hangs Steelers. This is another one of those good but not great values, though I think it's a little bit better than some of the other ones we've had this show. Match number nine.
The last two matches of our main 10 happened on Thursday, the end of our soccer week, and we're off to Poland for some tournament action in the Europa Conference League. For uh, noobs like me, I'll give a little bit of context. The Europa League is where all the very best teams from the various leagues around Europe get to go. There's a second best tournament called the Europa League. This one, the Conference or Europa Conference League, is a tertiary tournament, the third best one. You'll find a lot of second and third place teams from a lot of the smaller and or more easterly uh, lying countries in Europe in this one, though you'll get a smattering of teams from you know, all the different countries around Europe as well. They have reached their round of 32. This is the second leg or match of the home and away two-legged tie. And your matchup, the best-looking one to my eyes, looked like Legia Warsaw, out of Poland, of course, versus Molda. Now, uh, from Northern Europe, Molda have a lead in the series 1-2-0. and They haven't played all that many times, as you would imagine. Leg one, Molda won that 3-2. to I always try to look for ones uh, where the visiting team is behind by a goal and look for the highest-scoring match that fits that. I figure it'll be the most fun to watch, potentially. And you can watch this one on VIX Streaming for Spanish or on Paramount Plus for English. 3 o'clock Eastern Time on Thursday. First, a little bit of betting advice. For me personally, I say don't. I've been following the sport a few years, but I'm not nearly confident enough to start betting uh, the second leg of home and away two-legged ties, or the first legs for that matter, because I feel like teams play a little bit of bet against their character, might play a little bit more conservatively in the second leg if they have a lead. I just don't like it. There's way too many matches in the entire world uh, you know, to choose from. I look at 100 to 150 a day to decide when I'm going to bet on. Now, instead, if you want a Polish match with a pretty good value, go to the second division, which is called the first division. The top flight in Poland is called the Extra Klasa, and bet on Motor Lublin. You're going to get plus 180. They're on the road, but is that a team I think they should be able to handle called uh, Katowice? And that's all you're going to get out of me for these matches because this is the time of show where noobs' tummy starts to get a little rumbly. That means a culture break, and a culture break usually means food, at least a recipe. Can't really take the time to cook it live here. would be too long of a show. Although this one wouldn't take all that much time to do. This is a classic drunk food in Poland called zupikanka. It's kind of a pizza answer to fast food. It's served on a baguette, and it looks like, you know, sort of three circles of cheese, almost mini pizzas, on the moderately sizable baguette. It's supposed to be great to have after a fun night out, you know, having some shots of the famous Polish, uh, probably potato vodka over there. Now, it's on a baguette, it's open-faced, and it's topped these days with a variety of tasty ingredients and a whole lot of grated cheese. However, the history of this thing is a little bit different. Uh, the baguette, not the most expensive bread in the world necessarily. And back in the communist days of Poland, uh, when you know food was hard to get and so expensive, you would make one of these because you could split it up fairly cheap and just put cheese mushrooms and ketchup really cheap ingredients on there so if you're going to go out and have this you're probably going to find it with more you know traditional ingredients there could still be you know uh, vendors that are selling it the old-fashioned way but try it the old-fashioned way yourself go the really cheap route and ketchup instead of pizza sauce and just see what you think and don't forget that vodka and match number 10 we're done finally 
And now we end the main portion of our show before getting to the three super cool bonus matches in the aforementioned Europa League, which is in its round of 32, second leg of the home and away two-legged tie. And we're going to look at Sparta Prague out of the Czech Republic, of course, versus Galatasaray out of the Turkish Super League. Uh, leg one went the way of Galatasaray, three to two, and you can see how it's going to all turn out here by the end, three o'clock Eastern time in the U.S., Paramount Plus or VIX streaming. Slavia Prague, they are known by their colors as the Red and Whites. They were founded all the way back in 1893 as a multi-sport well, multi club. They became one, but the first sport that they were playing was actually cycling. Yeah, the football came second. By the way, the Czech First League is ranked number 11 in UEFA, and that's about as high, I believe, as I've ever seen them in the uh, handful of years that I've been following world football in earnest. There's three really good teams over there right now, and this is one of them, obviously. 1995-96, they made the semifinal, what is now known as this tournament, the Europa League. That is their best all-time international finish. Uh, just a couple of years ago, they made the quarterfinal here in the Europa League, and that is tied for their modern 21st century best finish. They didn't qualify based on their league result from last year, although I'm pretty sure they finished uh, top three and even probably top two, but they actually earned this berth by winning their knockout tournament, the FA Cup in Czechia. They had to enter the third qualifying round, which was means they had to defeat two teams before they even got to the group stage. Uh, once they got to the group stage, they won that four-team group by two points. Second best was Roma. Yeah, a very good Serie A side. They had the best offense by quite a lot and uh, were tied for number one on defense as well. Key player to look for on the scoring leaderboard for this event with four already is Moimir Chitol. He is a forward for them, homegrown. And now Galatasaray, boo, known as the Lions. We hate the cliche nickname. Every third club in the world is named that. Do better. After all, the translation of the club name is really cool. I understand the royal reference. It's named after a palace in an area that is or was called Galati, the Galati Palace. I just feel like Lions is so overdone. Uh, nevertheless, uh, geographically, they are located in Istanbul, as a lot of teams in this country are, as you would imagine. They're on the European side of the Bosporus. They're the most decorated team in Turkey domestically, second best overall in Europe, and are easily the most popular team in Turkey. And while they want to win their league, their fans, even more than a lot of, uh, and this is saying a lot, than a lot of other fan bases, really value how they do in these international tournaments. This is what makes uh, uh, player futures in that area and uh, managing futures as well. People get sacked if they don't do well internationally. 2012-13, they made the Champions League quarterfinal. Uh, that is the best they have done since 2010. They actually started international play this year in the Champions League, got to the group stage where they finished in third place out of their group of four. Now, what that means is that their international season is still alive. Compare this to, say, oh, the NCAA basketball tournament, uh, men's or women's, where once you've lost to the NCAAs, you're done. You don't get to drop down to a waiting slot in the NIT. The top two from the Champions League groups moved on to the knockout stage. All the third-place finishers dropped down to waiting slots in this event. I think it's kind of fun. I think it's something that the NCAA basketball should adopt. Make the NIT a whole lot more fun, in my opinion, and it's already pretty decent. Anyway, back to this one. 
They qualified for international play by winning last year's Super League, which, by the way, is the ninth-ranked league in Europe. This is back where they were when I first started following soccer in Ernst a few years ago. They had slipped nearly out of the top 20, but now they're back. I think the league suffers from the fact that there are really a handful of very, very good teams every year, whereas opposed to some leagues, there's not as much parity, and all of the best players end up uh, basically on one team because they're the only one in the country with uh, comparative amount of money to the others. In the group stage of the Champions League, by the way, they went 1-2-3 and three with a 10-13 versus 13 goal differential. They had some trouble defensively at that level. They had the third best offense and defense. Key player to look for? Well, I can tell you they are captained by a veteran from Argentina, Fernando Muslera. He's been here since 2011. He is really fun to watch. He's a very acrobatic goalkeeper and excellent in the air. Once again, my betting advice on this one, don't. If you want to bet on a check match, though, I do have a good value for you uh, for Wednesday. Bet on, I'm going to pronounce it Teplice, T-E-P-L-I-C-E. You're going to get 155 for them at home versus a team that they're pretty well on par with called Sigma Omaluk. Once again, that's a Wednesday match you want to look for. Bring forth the bonus matches. And the first of them is another Thursday match, and it is a first versus last place potential roadkill match. My daughter dramatically calls the route, 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 route of, 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 of the week, 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 week. And we're staying in Europe and sliding over to Slovenia, where the Pervali, P-R-V-A as it's Romanized, is the number 30 ranked league in all of Europe, so a little bit below average, but not much. They only send one team to the Champions League, and they have to start all the way back in the first qualifying round, and a couple of teams to different qualifying rounds of the Europa Conference League. On the equally relevant other end of the spectrum for the last place team we're going to be discussing, one of the ten will get relegated. The second to last place team will get a chance to fight for their lives in a relegation playout match and stay up potentially against the second place finisher from the Slovenian second division. Your matchup, number one, Celje, C-E-L-J-E, I think I'm getting that right, versus number 10, Rogashka. Celje, they lead number B, Olympia, right now, out of uh, Ljubljana, it's very hard for me to say, uh, by 10 points. So they are well in control. Will they fall asleep against Rogashka? Could this be a trap game of some kind? Depending on who they've got coming up, we shall see. Rogashka, meanwhile, they trail number nine, Illuminia, by three points, and number eight, the true point of safety, uh, Radomalia by five points. Uh, the two times they've played this season so far, Celia have won them both 2-0 and then 0-4 on the road. Yikes. All right, Celia, they are named for the fourth biggest city in the country, a little bit less than 40,000 people probably there in the northeast central part of the country. Uh, there's a really cool Greyfriars Monastery, that's Franciscan if you're not familiar, that they are extra famous for. And because of that in large, they are known as, I believe, the Counts which is pretty cool. They've only ever won one league title before. Here's the hope and they can get number two. That was just a couple of years ago, 2020 season, when that ended. They made the Europa Conference League playoff round this year. That's right before the group stage, and that is their best international finish ever. 
Last year, they finished in second place. That's how they qualified for it. This year, domestically excellent on both sides of the ball. Number one on offense and defense. The defense especially impressive as they uh, are twice as good as anybody else in the league, uh, giving up only two-thirds of a goal per match. They have the number one goal differential by better than a factor of two. Key player to look for on the scoring leaderboard with six is Alyosa Matko. He is their left winger, just 23 years old. Team's current form, they just suffered a nil-nil draw on the road at number four, NK Bravo, and that snapped a six-match win streak. And now Ragashka. Uh, the full name of the town is actually Ragashka Slatina, which translates to Uragatek Springs. The area is famous for basically two things, one of them well above the others, and they're related. Uh, mineral water spas. People have been coming here from around the country and around the region for centuries. In fact, it's so magnesium rich and has been considered to have a lot of healthful properties that that is the reason the, uh, for the one big industry uh, other than tourism here, and that is crystal glass. It got started by making bottles to put the fancy water in. They're in the east central part of the country, little town about 5,000 and changes all. They were founded in 1999 after a different local club called Steklar folded. Last year, they were in the second division and won it. It's looking like they're going to go right back down, but there's still some season left to amend that potentially. 2013-14, they were still all the way back in the fifth tier, and they have uh, always finished in first place in these divisions as they have climbed up, but it looks like this might be uh, a level they're not quite ready for, as they only have the number nine offense, but they're tied for worst on defense. They're real bugaboo. They're giving up over two goals per match. On the offensive side, key player to look for with them, tied for fourth best in league scoring, with seven is Nesh Gradishar. Uh, he's got a third of the team's goals with those seven on the whole season. Shut him down, you shut the team down. Team's current form, 1-1-0 in their last two. Credit where it's due. That followed a four-match losing streak. As far as betting on this one, this is one I feel pretty okay about. The last I saw, you could get just minus 140 betting on Celia. Unless they fall asleep in this match or play a lot of reserves or both, that's really a pretty fair payout for playing the last place team at your own place. But if you want a better value, in my opinion, uh, from this country, bet uh, Domzale to uh, plus 600 to beat Olympia. This is a really good flyer. Uh, Domzel, the reason I think this is a good value, by the way, is not necessarily because I think they're going to win. Again, I wouldn't go huge on this one, but this is a team that, uh, on average, matches usually end in a draw about 26, 27% of the time. This is a team that's only got a couple of draws on the season. They will win or lose, and they've been pretty good at home. Meanwhile, Olympia, they've been getting more draws at late, which I'm not crazy about. Uh, for betting on them. That's why I'm saying go the other way and take the plus 600. Could you be the most meaningless match in the world? Yes, you could. You're so boring. Yep, it's true. Every single week, new listeners, we sing a little song about two teams smack dab in the middle of their table. But hey, at least I didn't go on at length in a Prince falsetto while we were ripping them off. Could you be the most... Oh, yeah. There's a reason I didn't do that and shouldn't have done it right there. Instead...
Let's get into the match. It is a Tuesday match from Egypt. The Premier League there is ranked number one once again in Africa. They just re-overtook Morocco, the two of them, and kind of been going back and forth for a little while. Because they're in the top 12 in the African Confederation, that league, uh, they will get to send two teams to their Continental Champions League next year, one team to the secondary tournament, the Confederations Cup. So that's your equivalent to the Europa League. Meanwhile, three of the 18 teams in the league will get relegated. And just like a lot of Western Europe, they follow the same calendar. They're almost halfway through the season. And your matchup of existential nature is number nine, Ceramica Cleopatra versus number 10, Elguna, G-O-U-N-A as it's Romanized. Uh, Ceramica, they lead Elguna by three on goal differential. Yeah, they're tied on points. So at least this might be a pretty competitive match, even if it is devoid of meaning. Uh, Cleopatra, they uh, trail number three, Pyramids FC, by seven points. That's not a ton, but there's a lot of teams a leapfrog. Uh, kind of the same deal the other way. Elguna, they lead number 16. Uh, that's the best team that's in the relegation zone. Uh, Mokaloon by six points. Series between these two, it's fairly fresh. Uh, Ceramica have a 2-1-1 one, and one slight advantage in that historically. All right, Ceramica Cleopatra. They're playing their home matches out of the city of Giza. Fairly young club, founded in 2007, and in fact were only promoted to the Premier League level after the 2020-21 season. I like how they go for their colors, but it's more than that for their nickname. They are known as Golden Blood, and their colors really are pretty interesting for the crest. I like it. Last year, they finished in 13th place, so this is a touch of an improvement for them so far. Defense has actually been top six in the league, and they're tied for second best on offense, getting over one and a half goals per match. Tied for second best on goal differential, yet they're only 4-2-4. and four. Uh, Things tend to follow goal differential as this team and this league get further into their season. I think that we're going to see them climb, if not into the top three by any means, I think that they will be improved in their standing. And according to the foot mob app that uh, veteran fans like us like so much, uh, they've got the league MVP on their side, Mohamed Shokri. He's a defender. He's got a couple of goals, a lot of high volume blocks and uh, chances created. So uh, he's not, he should be getting more assists to be perfectly honest. I think those will start to show up. This is a guy who's clearly a box to box player. Number one in assists in the league with five, that is Sodiq Awujula from Nigeria, 23 years old. And in net, number one in saves per 90 minutes, that is Mohamed Bassam. He's also second best in save percentage and has three clean sheets. That's pretty near the top of the league as well. Uh, team's current form, they lost to Ismaili, which is a bad loss, especially at home. That snapped a six-match unbeaten streak for them, although it's worth noting they sort of took a winter break, if you will. Not that I think you need one in Egypt, but a mid-season, uh, early mid-season break uh, where they all played a bunch of games in a knockout tournament called the League Cup, which is of questionable importance over there. Now, Alguna, they are named for a tourist town that didn't exist prior to 1990. It is fully owned and was built by a company right on the Red Sea. It's particularly known touristy-wise uh, for their water sports that are offered. Uh, this is part of a zone known as the Red Sea Riviera, which I kind of like. 
They are known as the Goonies, G-O-U-N-I-E-S, and I pray to God that whoever came up with that first saw the name, saw the American movie of the same name, because if their song or their slogan, heck, their crest should have Goonies Never Die right on it in Arabic or English. Doesn't even matter. Sean Aston approved, I assure you. I checked with him. Uh, they are tied for fifth best in offense. The defense is what's really going to bring them down. I think they're more likely to slide. Uh, they're in the bottom half of the league of that. They've only uh, got a very average goal differential, so they might tread water. I think they'll slip down a couple of notches by season's end. They're a little bit out of their league, especially on the road for this one. Nevertheless, key player to look for, tied for number one in league scoring with seven, is Ahmad Belhaji. He's actually from Spain or represents for Spain internationally, plays right winger for them. And he is considered, according to that uh, food mob app that I mentioned, as the second most valuable player in the league statistically. But the team's current form, and again, this was from the League Cup, but they're just 0-3-1 in their last four. And we're going to double dip for our final bonus match as well. They had another good one. Oh, well, that's not a good one, actually. This is the match of... Disappointed! And that classic Kevin Sorbo-esque Herculean scorn is for the bottom two teams playing on Wednesday in the Premier League of Egypt. Number 17, second to last place, El Daklea versus number 18, Farco, with a PH as it's romanized. Daklea, they lead Farco by two points and trail number 15, National Bank, by four points. So there's still a modicum of hope, not that we are holding it out for these two teams. We hold them with naught but scorn in our minds and hearts. Series between these two, appropriately, the only two teams that times they've played, or at the very least played recently, uh, they played to draws. There's no winning that goes on in these matches. We find a lot. Daklea, they're in the Cairo area in the western part in a district that's known as al Waley. And the club, if you're wondering about the name, I don't know what it translates to really, if anything, but that is the name of the governorate out of which they play. Fairly Young Club founded this century, 2005. They made the top flight for the first time just over a decade ago, 2010-11 season. They were actually relegated again later on, and they just got back to the top flight two years ago. Welcome back. You're going away again. Last year, they finished in 15th place. Didn't uh, miss the relegation show by a whole lot. They've got the worst offense by a mile going. One of the worst I've seen in top flight football anywhere uh, the last couple of years. They're barely getting over one goal every three matches on average. I don't think they're really, really trying. They don't play quite good enough defense that I would say that they're a small ball team because the other teams are scoring. Uh, they're a, a fair bit below average on defense. They've got the worst goal differential in the league. Rather than look at value here, let's look at the guy who might be the most disappointing player in the team. Uh, I'm going to pick on their defender, Kareem Yahia. He really struggles on recoveries compared to other players in the league at this position, nor is he particularly great on duels. He wins more than half of them, but you, you want more than 54% when you're you know, part of the defense. Uh, team's current form, they went 1-1-1 one, one, and one in their last three in the League Cup. And now Farco, truly shameful out of Alexandria. They're actually named for a corporation by that same name. Not a real surprise there. The Farco being Romanized with a PH. Founded in 2010, they were promoted to Division One just after the 2021-22 season. Last year, we would have been more likely to find them in the previous match that we were doing, the most meaningless match. They played all the way up into ninth place. But this year, they're not even getting a goal per match. One of the worst offenses in the league. The defense isn't a ton better. Their goal differential uh, suggests that they are going to stay here and not climb up any higher either. Their most disappointing 
disappointing player. Given that I invented the word, it might be a little bit easier for me to say, you would think. His name is Saif Tiri. He is from Sudan, plays attacker, and yet he's only got two goals, terrible passer, terrible percentage dribbler, although doesn't get as much volume in those regards. Team's current form, they are 0-7-2 in their last nine. And as is appropriate, we will not wish these disappointing teams good luck or good fortune, but rather heckle and shoo them away in our traditional fashion. Take it away, Muppets. It was bad. It was awful. It was terrible. Hey, boo! boo! Man, do I love getting to know all these leagues and all these teams. This has been episode 175 of Soccer Noob Rockin' America featuring Person Noob. Thank you very much to he who is known as the management for all his editing and production wizardry to Dan, the former interno Inferno, whose creative efforts and inspirations always are on fire. And to my daughter, Person Noob, thank you for taking time out of your busy middle school schedule to come to work and actually record a lot of these segments at the radio station that I work at. I hope you had fun. I know that I certainly had a ton of it. Hope you had fun as well. Thank you very much for tuning in. And until we do it again in a few days, have yourself a fabulous footy week. Take care.